welcome to the CMF Podcast, where we discuss all things mentorship and cybersecurity. Welcome, everyone, to the CMF Podcast. I'm Mel Kay, a venture associate at Cyber Mentor Fund and the host. And today I'm fortunate to be joined by Nicola Nickel, who is a partner with PwC Australia in cybersecurity and digital trust. Over the last 15 years, Nicola has worked internationally with organizations that build technology and cyber resilience in financial services and most recently in the Australian government and public service. Welcome, Nicola. Thanks, Mel. It's great to be here. Great to have you. I would like to get started uh, just by asking you, as a mentor who's worked with a wide range of individuals, is there a unique thing that you or the person you mentored did that made the relationship extraordinary, productive, or successful? Um, it's a great question, Mel. And, and actually, maybe the thing I'd um, describe about what makes it really successful is actually having more than one mentor so different mentors for different topics um so what i found is um think about it as your mentor group being like your own private boardroom of advisors right or board of advisors i think if you think about it it's almost like you know this when when people ask the question who would you have around the dinner table if you could and you could have anyone you know it's that same sort of scenario where in my mind what's really useful is actually having a range of mentors that deal into different topics and for me that's the thing that makes it really successful because you can focus in on something that where you think that mentor really adds value for you so if I gave you an example uh, you know I have had mentors for leadership so it's all about you know how am I leading and what am I doing from a leadership point of view what's my leadership style how do I understand that more I have a different mentor for specialist conversations like from and from a cyber point of view you know thinking about you know modern emerging cyber risk management practices right that's a different conversation with a different mentor and and I also have someone else for career guidance right so where am I going what's the thing I want to do next so so probably the theme for me or the thing I'd say is don't think your mentor needs to be one size fits all actually if you have a board of advisors that you create then actually the thing that makes it most successful is being able to be really specific about something where you think they can they can really help guide you. That's interesting. Are the ways that you interact with these different mentors different? You know, the way you're asking questions, the conversations that you're having, just the nature of the relationship? Yeah, so some of them I would class as kind of formal. Um, And and again, I think you get different um, outcomes from formal versus informal relationships. So again, if I give you an example, um, the mentor that I uh, have from a career point of view, or at least one of the mentors I have from a career point of view, um, I often talk to them in a way that's really informal. So that's let's meet over lunch, let's have a chat about what's going on in the industry, you know, where what we you know what what sort of experiences I'm having asking for their advice over lunch and maybe a coffee, those sorts of things. I think that's really can be really useful from an informal point of view because it's a really relaxed environment. And someone might be, when you're talking about um, leadership as well, it can be quite personal. So sometimes being in a more relaxed environment where someone wants to give you feedback that might be challenging, it can be easier to hear it if you're in a more relaxed space than if you're in a formal meeting room and you might sort of be, your natural tendency might be to get a bit more defensive, if, if that makes sense. 
So picking the environment, formal, informal, depending on the conversation, I think can be really useful to make sure, again, you get to the best sort of outcomes. And I could imagine the level of trust that you have with a mentor. You need to, do you need to work on it to get to the point where you can have more informal and vulnerable conversations? You know, do you have, have advice for people who's looking for a mentor that want to kind of have those tough conversations or want to have potentially tough advice because they feel they don't really know what they're doing or they have a blind spot? You know, how can you nurture a relationship to get to that level of clear communication and trust? Yeah, so look, I think there's, there's a couple of things to think about uh, to answer that question. So the first is um, identifying someone who you think can give you an appropriate challenge, right? So if you're looking for someone to be quite direct with you, to be really forthright about what you might need to focus on, then having someone actually firstly identifying who that person is and who might be able to give you that challenge is the first piece. And the second, in terms of building trust, I think depending on whether you know that person well or not, there's clearly a different journey to go through there. But in either scenario, I think the key thing to think of, to talk about is you giving them permission to do that. Right. So, you know, clearly there's there's got to be a, a you've got you've got to want to be having these conversations with someone you believe is not going to go and talk about what you're sharing with others. Right. So you're, there's a bit of personal judgment in picking the right mentor from that point of view. But otherwise, when it's about building trust so that you can really have a challenging dialogue, then I think you've got to explicitly give permission to do that. Right. So have that conversation up front. Explain what it is you're looking for talk about the fact you really do want to get challenge and feedback and that that's that's actually what's going to be most valuable for you and you give them permission to be quite forthright with you and I think that's one of the key things to, to think about we really have that explicit conversation that allows you to put the conversation in a kind of trusted space and get off on the right foot. So I know you just spoke about if you you know if you knew the person before that could ultimately just Put you at a position where that relationship is a little bit more advanced. You know, you might have a little bit more trust. Yep. How would you advise someone who's looking for a mentor to be able to find the right one um, that's specific to the different needs that they are having? So if you, it depends on what channels you've got access to. So the first thing I would say, there's two really, two, two particular things in my mind here. So one is, um, Firstly, look to the organisation you're you're working in and see whether they have mentor programmes that you can tap into, right? And that way, what you find if you go through that channel is you often find um, you've got a more structured approach to choosing a mentor. So if I give you an example of a process I've been through personally, um, in uh, actually uh, with PwC, when I'm at now, we have a mentor programme running. And what we do is we ask, we, we, it's like a blind question, right? But you go through like a blind set of questions where you don't know who the mentors are and you don't know who the mentees are. But you actually get to say, here's what I'm looking for. Here's the experiences that I want to focus on. Here are the areas where I think I've got some challenges, where I could use some input and guidance. And you can actually be really explicit about the skills, the experience, the attributes of a mentor that you're looking for. And the mentor on the other side of those structured programs get to do the same. And then you get paired with someone. So I think that's a really interesting, like that's a nice, really objective way of doing it. Because, and the reason I would encourage leveraging those programs, it can be easy 
it's too easy sometimes to default to the people you know who may be not going to stretch your thinking enough, right? Or default to the people that might give you more of what you want to hear rather than more of the stuff you need to hear. So going through those structured programs that are kind of a more objective way of working out what you need from a mentor, I think is really, really useful. And the other channel I would highly recommend is when you look at some of the industry groups that you can tap into. So currently, I'm the chair of the Women in Security WESIS um, affiliate for Australia, and we run a mentor program. And again, that's a really different, it's a slightly different experience where you can tap into a cohort or a group of people who are all looking for similar things, right? And that focus is all about how women are going to, you know, uh, you know, improve their career, and you know, how do we, how do we support each other through what that journey looks like from the perspective of being a female in cyber. And um, so I think there's those like industry groups really pick, you know, look at what it is you're looking for. Where is there a group of people who might have a similar challenge, and you can then work with them, and you'd actually have a shared perspective or perhaps shared issues to deal with and you get something quite different out of the relationships that way that's actually that's really cool that uh pwc and and you're kind of the women in security team is doing that um i want to have a follow-up question for that actually you know in these groups are you connecting women and cohorts in from a peer-to-peer standpoint and kind of pushing mentorship through like situations of what they're happy you know where exactly they're at or are you getting them connected with more senior women within the organization? Uh, Mel, I love that you've gone here, actually. So um, uh, there's there's two answers to this as well, I'm afraid. So the first is uh, that often uh, the more natural, I think, model is you've got more, perhaps folks more junior in their career looking to those that are pairing and, and matching themselves up with a mentor who's perhaps more senior and more experienced. Um, and we I've seen a lot of that traditional model and there's a lot to be said for that. It's a huge amount of value that you get from drawing on that experience. But what's more interesting that I'd love to talk about is reverse mentoring. I've been doing reverse mentoring for the first time recently, um, where I have a mentor who is very junior in her career, and it is a fantastic experience. Um, again, a, a, I'd say with a word of caution, you have to set up the conversations to be successful, because with a, I think if you are the more experienced from a career pe- point of view person, in a reverse mentor relationship, you could too easily default to you leading and the other person feeling like they're being mentored, right? So I think there's a real, you've got to really more consciously than ever structure how you're going to work together and how you both get value out of that relationship, right? And But I'm finding there's some wonderful insights about what it's like to be um more junior in your career at this point in time in cyber and actually or in technology so that my uh, that the person I'm in a, a reverse mentor relationship with is in technology not in cyber specifically and it's a great conversation about that their experience is different to mine when I was at that point in my career things have changed how do I adjust what I'm doing as a leader to better help them in their career at this point. Yeah. So there's some wonderful insights that you get from uh, from that reverse mentor relationship. Um, I also think there's some great organizational insights you get from that as well. So if you have a reverse 
mentor-mentee relationship in your own organization. You get someone who's in your organization giving you real insights about what else is going on and what it feels like for them at their level and therefore enables you to make different decisions as a leader. So there's some, you know, it's a really powerful experience. And I think it could go off the rails if you don't structure it well up front and understand who's doing what in that relationship. But uh, reverse mentoring is something I would really encourage. So. Well, that's that's an awesome, also a very awesome initiative that you guys are doing. I'm curious if we could kind of close out this line of questioning with, is there an anecdote or actually something that you did learn from that reverse mentorship relationship that you would like to share with the audience or that you took to the organizational, you know, kind of management level? And it was like, these are things that we need to actually be considering or prioritized or how it did kind of impart change. Yeah, actually, it's probably one that's that's really um, relevant, I think, in the technology and cyberspace. Um, the individual that one of the individuals I've been, I've been in conversations with recently, and um, throughout that relationship, what emerged was um, a feeling of, and I, I use the word feeling intentionally, right? But a feeling of, um, in some of the roles that individuals are in in this space if I take cyber as a great example and cyber is a really really broad topic right and we have a broad range of people who are involved in cyber everyone from uh, people doing risk management so really great technical uh, experts uh, who are doing you know pen testing and ethical hacking and we've got uh, folks that are focused deeply on identity and access management we've got some emerging wonderful individuals focused on digital law and the risk in the cyberspace which is fantastic right you look at a broad range of people one of the things that's emerged i think that we need to deal with and uh, as a uh, probably as an industry, but also um, certainly in if you in those mentor relationships, is helping people who have a um, feeling that there's technical elitism in what we're doing. So I think depending on who you're mentoring, again, and what their role is in the you know areas that we operate. Um, well, the thing that that really struck me was this sense of depending on what role you play. Um, some people feel like um, there's this attitude of technical elitism for those that are perhaps more technical in the space and those that are less technical but adding a whole lot of value from different other perspectives, right? And you, we've got to, I think we all know cyber is a team sport, right? So how do you bring all of those skills and experience and value them all? And I think sometimes because of the space we're in, whether it's tech, whether it's cyber, all of what we do is to support businesses at the end of the day, and we need a broad set of skills to do that. And what's emerged for me recently is just that feeling of technical elitism that we need to kind of deal with. Um, so I had a real like moment for me and a, and a takeaway that that it's turned into real practical action, right? So as an organizational leader, how do I make sure all of individuals in our team, all of their skills and experience uh, is valued and is truly valued. So, so I hope that's helpful, but that's like a little, yes, one of the real nuggets yes. that I took away. Yeah. No, that's incredibly helpful. Thank you so much for sharing that. So I want to pivot the conversation a little bit. Um, if you wouldn't mind, can you share a story with us about a time where a mentorship relationship failed? You know, how could that have been avoided or what were some of the mistakes that were made? Yes. Look, um, this is an interesting one because I, I actually think 
it's really simple. Um, so for me, the and and I have a particular relationship in mind, but um, for me, the the that mentor relationship fails when people are too nice. <laughs> I don't want to say it as bluntly as that. Yeah. So what happens is there's no challenge. Yeah. So so I've had a, a, a you know a couple of these relationship mentor relationships throughout my career, and if I, I thought about it in advance, Mel, of of, of recording mm-hmm. this this podcast with you, and I thought, you know, what is that thing? What is at the heart of why it fails? And I keep coming back to something that's really really simple. But people are too nice. Now yeah. that might be then because it's the wrong individual, um, mm-hmm. it, but it might also be because you haven't had that contract upfront, right? That verbal discussion about here's what I need and giving mm-hmm. them the permission to be challenging. And um, but I do think that is one of the the biggest reasons for failure is that actually there is no stretch and no challenge in the conversation, and sometimes people are too nice about it. So and. I could imagine that that niceness can play on both sides. Like the mentees may be taking advice that they might fo- they might not agree with and don't feel like or being too nice and not pushing back or challenging the conversation with their mentor. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good observation actually. And and perhaps it may also manifest itself when the mentee isn't as confident so depending on what their what their situation and how that and maybe perhaps how big that experience gap is between the mentee and the mentor you mm-hmm. might find that the mentee is not comfortable to challenge to challenge themselves push back ask more questions get a bit more clarity on what that feedback is all about so there's perhaps a little bit of it comes from from confidence as well and being able to ask some different difficult questions so but I, I actually I'm kind of connecting this back to that reverse mentorship, you know, um, you know, p- program that you were just talking to. Have you been finding that the mentees there are building confidence and and being able to kind of be more, you know, outspoken or not outspoken? I don't know if that's the right term, but bringing things to the table in a more complex way. Yes. And actually, so two two things I chair. One, I found that the main the the because the, there's no mentee mentor in that relationship we're one of we're both right uh, but, right, but some right. of the in, some of the individuals in that relationships and those relationships that I'm seeing and I'm talking to my peers about what I'm finding is they're actually coming in with lots of questions so I love that right actually that that I actually feel less prepared if I'm honest than sometimes those that have less experience coming into that relationship because they really want to get maximum value out of it so what so I think that's great to see and um, what I'm finding is the more back to your comment earlier about how you build trust and um, mm-hmm. as those relationships develop I think there's more you I'm seeing more confidence in the, con- the emerging in terms of the questions that are asked and the way the conversation goes um you know I had a um someone I, I'm in that a mentor reverse mentor relationship with who actually um messaged me separately and random day in the middle of a random day saying I've been thinking you know and it was about something that they had been obviously mulling over from the conversations that we'd had they made a very direct observation about um uh, what it's like to be in a leadership role that they wanted my guidance on and input on so it's really good like to see that you see that emerging over time in those relationships where confidence builds questions shape as you move forward and then I think both parties actually start to build confidence in having a really kind of active uh, uh useful conversation so 
Wow, that's that's great input. Thank you. Um, I have one more question for you. And we're going to cut this out. I don't know if this question is even relevant. I'm just curious, honestly. So it may join it and make it put in and why not? Back into as if it's getting put in. Okay. Do you think that there is such a thing as a dumb question when you're in these conversations with a mentee or a mentor? Oh, I love that. I have, I'm going to say a resounding no. Hmm. Right? Because, Mel, we all have different journeys to get here. And and something that may seem so obvious to you is so not obvious to someone else. And, mm-hmm. and I'll make it personal for a minute. So I spent most of my career in industry, in financial services, doing cyber, tech risk, you know, and really kind of embedded in or and, and not at kind of that industry organizational structure. And I moved into consulting. And wow, what a change, right? So I love it. And I love the, I love working with clients. It's a very different rhythm of life to be in consulting versus industry. But mm-hmm. there's so many things I didn't know. And it's about the how to get things done here. It might be about the dynamics when you change from being on the client side to being on the consultant side. Yeah. There's lots of parts of that that I just others just know because it's been it's been their journey, right? And they mm-hmm. they just know it inherently, and I don't. So I think never it's better to just not make assumptions. There's no stupid questions because we've all had a different path to get here, and what you know is not the same as what I know. I love the question. Oh, great. Okay, great. Well, Nicola, thank you so much for being here with us. I thought this was an amazing conversation and I really enjoyed your perspective on mentorship. Oh, thank you, Mel. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for today.